Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. Everyone okay? Good. Right. Um, the inspiration for my talk tonight is from a guy called Greg Elsoff. Um, he's done quite a few books, uh, particularly a book called I Told Me So, which I read many, many, many years ago. Um, now, it is more of a psychological talk, so all those who aren't into psychology, sorry, you'll just have to grin and bear it for half an hour. I'll try and be less than that. Um, it's interesting how um, the word psychology, the impact that it can actually have, because you see the word psychology, psyche, like we all have one, whether you like it or not, we have a psyche, we have a frontal lobe that processes thought and ultimately assists us in making choices in why we are who we are and how we interact with people around us. And it's actually an incredibly interesting topic. Now, I'm somebody who likes to look at topics that don't necessarily apply to me, but I like to know about it anyway, because I find it interesting. So for example, there'll be TV programs that we watch, that you will watch, that don't necessarily have anything to do with your walk of life, but you will be interested just because it's informative. That's your psyche working, it's processing it. Now yeah, it might not be particularly hard to get your head around, but you are still using your psyche to to watch the whatever it is that you may be watching. So just for tonight, I'd like you to just open your mind and be open to listen to some of the concepts that I'd like to bring you because I believe personally that there are elements of the human psyche that um, are things in life that affect everybody or can potentially affect everybody. And if we will open our hearts and open our minds to some of these truths, you can potentially save yourself a lot of heartache from some of the things that we might face in our life's journey. Does that make sense? Now, there's a passage in the Bible where Jesus is confronted by a bunch of Pharisees. Now, and if you don't know what Pharisees are, they were the teachers of the law, the one who upheld the law. They made sure that everything was by the letter. And if it wasn't lived up to, they made sure that justice was brought. Now, they were trying to quiz Jesus on the behavior of his disciples and how they were behaving. Now, Jesus quotes a scripture from a book called Isaiah, which is a prophet from the Old Testament. And he says this, Isaiah was right. The people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. I'm sorry, Rob, I'm not telling you when to put these slides up, but that was, that was one. Very good. <laughs> so basically, the Pharisees said all the right things, but behind the scenes, things were not quite the same. There was a discrepancy and an inconsistency which needed to be realized and addressed in order for true spiritual transformation to take place. Now, Beth played a video before about the difference between religion and Christianity. Um, this is kind of what Jesus was trying to convey, is that religion has this wonderful way of making everything look very lacy and very pretty and lots of ribbon to present it as being this kind of nice thing. But then when you actually get behind the scenes, it's actually really not very pleasant. I know because I've opened the package and seen what's inside and it really isn't what it looks like. It's actually quite 
nasty. Um, and I think that one of the things that, and that's why I think that video was so great, is that as a house, we have taken steps to walk from that into this amazing wide open space of freedom and love and grace, which really is just a completely different way of being. And I think that I would much rather be there any day than boxed up in that old way of thinking. Now, psychologists refer to this particular type of behavior, which I just explained, this discrepancy and inconsistency, as something called self-deception. I've got a slide there, self-deception, there it is. Now, self-deception is this, if you can just put up the next slide, so this is the, um, I'll put my water down, Claire, I'm sorry, I keep, I, she says all the time, I do this, and then I never drink any, so I'll just, I'll just put the bottle down, yeah. So, self-deception is this, the process of denying or rationalizing away the re relevance, significance, or importance of opposing evidence and logical argument. Self-deception involves convincing oneself of a truth or lack of truth so that one does not reveal any self-knowledge of the deception. It's quite wordy, but I will explain as I go. Now, the disciples if you look at another story, kept saying to Jesus, we will never abandon you. We would never do that. Wanting to look like everything was absolutely fine. But Jesus was saying, actually, the outcome might be different. Now, I don't believe that Jesus was saying it will. I believe he picked up on the fact that actually what they were saying wasn't really where their heart was. He would much rather have said, actually, I don't know if I will be by your side because this whole thing is absolutely terrifying me. But they would have rather said, you know, we would never leave your side and just see kind of how there's a discrepancy there. Now, the only way we can bring about change in our lives and in our world is by being honest with ourselves. And subsequently, we will find the means and the grace to change how we think and feel. Now, this is not about anybody being in trouble about what we're thinking. You get that? So the, whole, the whole understanding of psychology is not about trouble or really right or wrong. It's just where we are in a particular moment. Like I've faced a long walk in my life of, of, of seeing different situations and different issues that you're aware that nothing is about being in trouble. It's about specifically pinpointing what it is that will ultimately bring somebody to a place of freedom. Now, Paul says in Ephesians 5 verse 8, and I love this scripture, walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Now, walking as children of the light is not something that is done for us. It's something that we choose to do. Now, some people still can't hack that, that everything's not somehow just magically done for us in this life. It's not. Now, if you want to be a child of the light, now again, I'll explain that in more detail as we go, but let's just say someone who is open, someone who is willing to reason, converse, be teachable, all of those things. It's not something that God can make you do. It's something that you have to decide, actually, I am going to live out my life being that because actually I then become a light to the world. So we're gonna look at three, just three, different manifestations of what self-deception can look like because what I would really like is maybe from some of these things tonight, you might see a trigger point where you think, oh, I do that. And I find that really exciting. Like I love when I read something and think, oh, that's why that happens or that's what I'm doing when I do this because it can be really helpful in bringing you to a place of freedom if you find yourself in that situation. So. 
There's a story of David in the Bible. You all read the story of David, know anything about him? Some of you do. And he kills this guy in order to take his wife and seems totally unaffected until he is confronted by this guy called Nathan a fairly long while after. Now, one would ask, how could he go on this long, seemingly guiltless, without any sense of remorse or acknowledgement of his actions? How could he process life knowing that he'd done something like that, but yet somehow had this ability to function? So, number one, is called perspective switching. So this is the first manifestation of self-deception. Now, I'm going to talk about me for a second. I get the pleasure every year, say pleasure, of producing a very big dance show along with my great team. It's brilliant. Um, I'm very proud of it. I think it's brilliant. It takes a lot of work. But at the same time, I am very aware each year of the things that I don't like about it. So I could watch the DVD and I could sit with you and I could pick out every arm, finger, foot, body line, everything that I wasn't quite, could be better. However, I can also say, but overall, I thought it was really great. Do you get what I'm saying? Now, those who watch the show and tell me, so professional, you're better than the guys on Strictly, hear what I'm saying? I quite like these people. And the reason why I like them is because their perspective at that moment in time is actually slightly higher than my own. They're not mentioning negatives. Now, I think it's great, but I'm also aware of the negatives. They're not saying any negatives. So I'm thinking, ooh, actually, just for a minute, I quite like their perspective because they haven't said any negatives, so I can switch and we'll, we'll just go with that. That's great. It's professional and we like the guys on Strictly. Hear what I'm saying? Now, there is another group of people who don't really know much about dance. They're just like, it's all the same to me. They don't really respond to the artistry, the creativity, the hard work. Not really taken aback, neither here nor there. Now, that can frustrate me because I do like emotion and I like people to support. However, I'm going to tell you something about myself now, right? I would rather you say so I, I don't know if I dare say this. I just realized I'm actually... <laughs> can we switch the camera off a second because my mum might hear it in the US and hold me to it, so... Okay. <laughs> what I was going to say was, I'll tell you something about me. I would rather you say a negative thing than stay silent. Oh, I can't cope with silence. It's like, you know, often I'll have a conversation, I'll say, they thought it was rubbish. I sang and they thought it was rubbish. Well, what did they say? Nothing. They must have thought it was rubbish. And the silence absolutely throws me off. Yeah, it's like, it's like the silence is deafening. Yeah, it's really interesting. I'd rather have either positive or negative, but silence, I really struggle with. So there you go, you've just learned something about me. Afterwards, you can all be silent now when I walk off stage. Like, yeah, gee, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. So, basically, they don't really have anything to say about it. It's all quite negative, right? Now, these people, I'm not as tempted to adopt their perspective. Because, well, I actually think the overall show's pretty good, 
they're not really saying anything at all. So my perspective is actually higher up the scale, so I'll stick with my perspective, because even with its shortcomings, it's more gratifying. Now, the philosopher Jean-Paul Sartre, is like the accent, says this, we exist at all times either for ourselves or for others. He explains the capacity of a human being to disregard their own view of themselves when the view of others better serves them and to disregard the view of others when their own view is more attractive. Can't you believe that people are so complicated? Now, is this ringing true? Yeah, good. So back to the original question. How did David manage to live with himself after murdering the husband of a woman of whom he was having an adulterous affair? Well, perspective switching. He basically organized things in such a way to make available different perspectives on the event in question. Now you see, David created an image that Uriah, which was this guy who he killed, had died in battle. Now, is it not true that men die in battle all the time? So there's nothing really shocking there, is there? This guy, he died in battle, yeah? He then marries Bathsheba and has a son. This all kind of looks perfectly normal because the fact is this guy has died in battle. So why would there be anything kind of fishy going on? Now, who would agree that if we'd have been there at that time and it had been presented, oh, actually, this guy died in battle, we wouldn't have thought anything different either? Because to some degree, that was the story, yeah? So because our viewpoint would have been everything looks pretty normal, what does David do? Well, they think he died in battle, so I'll just adopt what they think, yeah? So what he did, he switched his perspective to that one, and then what happens? He no longer has to have the perspective of looking at the murder of the man he killed. Is this making sense? It's quite, I mean, it's quite an extreme way of looking at it because we're using this kind of story, but it's a good way of seeing how it works. So, in effect, this guy called Nathan, who then eventually talks to him, has to somehow encourage David to switch the perspective back to his own one and say, actually, you need to look at these feelings that you're having because if you face them, it will eventually bring you freedom. But switching your perspective so you can ignore it, you can ignore it all you want, it doesn't change the reality of what is. Does that make sense? Now, here's an example, and I'm going to use parent and child for a second. A parent believes their child is an A student. They happen to get a C in their exam. The parent's perspective that the child is flawless at academia is far more gratifying than the perspective of the teacher who has marked the paper. Hearing it? So the parent fights the result and the teacher before any reasoning at all has taken place rather than allowing the perspective they hold to be held up to the light, here where this word light's coming in, and questioned with a humble attitude. Now, I've got a really funny picture to show you here that Claire Cornock found, Dr. Claire Cornock found. Now, if any of you don't follow Claire, follow her, because she puts really funny things up all the time, funny pictures like this. So it says, um, 1969, you can see the parents looking down and saying, explain these bad grades. And then today, they're shouting at the teacher saying, explain these bad grades. Isn't it? It's very cool, isn't it, right? But you see how the perspectives are very different. 
and it's to do with reordering them. So basically, what I'm trying to get across for this first one is we will switch, and here's the summary, if you can put up the next slide. Perspective switching is when we monitor our own and others' perspectives and subsequently adopt the best perspective that serves in relieving us of painful truths. Yeah, that's number one. Now, question. Will we walk as children of the light? Will we? Number two. The next one is called rationalization. Also known as making excuses is a defense mechanism in which controversial behaviors or feelings are justified and explained in a seemingly rational and logical manner to avoid the true explanation and are made consciously tolerable. Now, here's another cool story. Have any of you read the story of Balaam and Balak in the Bible? Numbers 22, right? Jenny found this story very interesting. She was like, this is great. Right, so I'm going to read it because it's really, really fun. So, Balak offers Balaam a good price for a task. Curse the Israelites on behalf of God. Balaam seeks the word of God on the matter, and God states very clearly, I will do no such thing. So Balak, not getting the answer he wants, offers Balaam more money. Balaam checks back in with God to see if he has changed his mind, as the money is very appealing. (laughs) God still won't offer the curse, but offers him the freedom to pursue his lust for wealth. So Balaam goes with Balak, intending to only say what God gives him to say, but is hoping all the time he can utter a massive curse in order to get this big wad of money. Balak thinks Balaam has come to curse the Israelites and is obviously very disappointed when Balaam then starts to speak blessings over the Israelites. Balaam looks for a way to satisfy Balak and get his money without falsely reporting the word of God. And he does it this way. He offers Balak advice by telling him to lure the Israelites away from God with women and food. And even though this story was in the Bible, I was laughing my head off when I read it. Right? Now, why am I reading this? It's clear Balaam wanted money and would do anything to cripple the Israelites, right? But this isn't the story that Balaam was telling himself or others. He was not going to violate his responsibility of being the messenger for God, right? Because he wanted to do what God had said, right? And that said that no curse would be given. But could he satisfy the request without misrepresenting God? See where we're getting here. After all, he wasn't forcing the Israelites to violate God's commands. They would sleep with the women and eat all the food from their own accord. Yeah? If the Israelites were weak enough to fall for the trap, then surely that's their problem. Hear it? I think it's great. So Balaam could rationalize, hear the word, rationalize his behavior by stating he did all that God asked him to do, which is technically true, but found other means to get what he wanted. Do you hear what's happening? Now, I've done it. I still do it. There are times. It's part of the way that our brain can function in different situations. Now, here's a good question for you. How do you handle a no in your life? If it's a no when it's something that you really badly want... How, you know, how do you approach that? Now, 
It might be that you are allowed it for legitimate means, but are you willing to have the conversation and listen, take it on board again with humility, or do you have to work things to somehow get the result that it is that you need, right? Now, here's a summary of this one. We usually rationalize when we have to get something by illegitimate means. Do you see what Balaam had to do? He couldn't get it by being honest, so he had to get it by somehow working it the way he needed it to work. If we can't be honest about something in our lives right now, we should ask ourselves, why not? We should ask ourselves, why not? Yeah? This is a house where we can be real with each other and be honest, but sometimes it means that we might have a perspective different from our own that we might need to listen to. And I think that this is the beauty of community and why we can all unite and be one together. The question is, will we walk as children of the light? Point three, resentiment. That's not resentment, it's resentiment, all right? This is my favorite. Now, this is when we adjust our affections, sentiments, and value judgments in order to avoid disappointment or self-censor. We censor inconsistencies and things people will view as morally unacceptable, right? Now, there are particular sentiments. Now, a sentiment is basically just a view or an opinion that are deemed unacceptable, inappropriate, or inconvenient. So what we do, and this is where it gets really interesting, we recast them as something other than what they are. Yeah, so we call it something different. What we don't understand is you can call it something different, but it's still operating as the thing that it is. Yeah? But it makes it a little bit more copable calling it something else. Yeah? So here's a really good example. If you can put the next one. Right. We say this. I'm concerned about X. They are not where they could be, and I want what's best for them. Next slide. But we possibly mean this. I'm angry and offended with X. I'm struggling to forgive, and I want them to know how they have hurt me. Now... Do you see what's happened? This might possibly be what we actually think, but go back to the slide before. But we say that. Now, saying I'm concerned about X or I'm angry and offended at X, I'm concerned sounds a lot better and a lot nicer. But the reality is we're actually the second one. Does that make sense? Now, which sounds more acceptable? Now, it said earlier on, we recast them as something other than they are. Now, I looked up the word recasting, and it's interesting. It gave a definition of metal, right? Now, you can recast metal by melting it down and shaping it into something else, but it doesn't stop it being metal. Yeah? You can take that one off a second, Rob. You can recast metal by melting it down and shaping it into something else, but it doesn't stop it from being metal. So you can find some ornate structure and be like, look at that, That's, it's uh, some sort of modern art or whatever, but the fact is it's still actually metal. See? 
that if you plant a sunflower seed, but tell everyone you planted a rose, what are you going to grow? Sunflower seed, yeah. So even if you tell people you've planted a rose, a sunflower seed will be what you grow, yeah? So let's summarize this one. It's when we recast particular sentiments as something other than what they are in such a way that makes it acceptable to the person who has them. So the question is, will we walk as children of the light? Now, to conclude, there's a scripture in Isaiah 118 that says this, come now and let us reason together. Come now and let us reason together together. Now, a willingness to reason together has nothing to do with exposing that the deceived one is wrong. Do you get what I'm saying here? You know, falling into these three things, I mean, we're actually, believe it or not, all of us doing it all the time, potentially in subtle ways. It's actually part of the way that humanity operates. And It's nothing to do with with addressing it as being wrong. Do you understand that? It's about bringing us to a greater awareness of what it is that we feel in order that life can happen. Do you get that? Some of us sadly walk through life holding on to beliefs or presenting beliefs and actually we haven't really found out what it is that who we are or what we really feel and sometimes that just needs a really good conversation where we can sit with people that we trust and willing to listen to some other perspectives on our lives i love the fact that i've got people around me who tell me things that i don't always see or necessarily agree with but it's really good because it stretches my ability to think and know myself and just grow as a person. Now, God is inviting us to grow up and be kingdom subjects. He's, if you read you know, Jesus' teachings, he's always saying, you know, come on, you're kingdom subjects now. Live like it. It is an opportunity to grow past these issues and reason together in order for a greater truth to be seen. We should always do what we can through faith to broaden our perspectives Remain teachable and open and always remain humble enough to have our viewpoints and perspectives questioned. We are all part of the same body and each one of us has a role, which is why it's so important that we all stick this out and talk, yeah? Come, let us reason together. Let's learn, let's grow, let's become more than we ever thought we could be. Now, I want to finish tonight with a song that I really feel sums up everything we've said. And I think on the back of being children of the light, one thing I would say is there are points tonight that may have sprung out to you and you may have thought, wow, like actually, yeah, that's something that I feel I do. Don't be hard on yourself laugh, smile even, smile at the truth that's dropped and say, actually, this is now something for me to learn, develop, to grow. Come and talk to one of us. Um, Josie wrote a song um, years back now called As I Stand You See. And I remember when she was writing it, she was talking very much about um, we can put on this facade 
and cover things up, but at the end of the day, our Heavenly Father knows exactly what's going on, and He wants us to come to truth about those things in order that we can reap an amazing harvest of great stuff. So I'd like to read it first before we sing it, and I'd like to ask the guys to come up and sing it with me. So it says, As I stand you see what has become of me, you're not fooled by the disguises that we put in place to masquerade our lives. As I stand you know the passion of my soul, you choose to believe in and you never give in, you trust. In life I must be honest with myself, lay down my life and you will lift me up. And I will go and I will be and I will stand and face the things in me that I don't want to see, but I'll believe all you believe and I will call it what you call it. There it is there, being honest about the thing that we hold and be true to what you see and I'll let go of what I need to and I'll embrace you. Are we willing to do some embracing tonight? Yeah. Yeah? All of us are walking incredibly complex journeys. We all have different stories, but I hope that's helped tonight. I don't want you to see it as like, oh, that's all very like, analytical and stressful. No, even if you've got one point, the fact is all of this is about bringing us to a greater truth of who we are and ultimately that we can grow this community into something really incredible and special. So let's sing it together, all right? Let's do it. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.